as soon as we get into sort of the creature realm and dealing with our other cast member, one of our crazy clingers, as we call it. Getting his movement right, getting a creature that is something horrifying like you might find down there, but also something that moves and, and sort of sneaks around in a fashion that would be something of an underwater space. So dreaming up this stuff and getting the animation right and getting the keyframes right and getting the comping right, it's, it's a never-ending story. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Not A Bomb Podcast. This is the podcast where we go back and talk about movies that bombed in the theater or the critics didn't like. Brad, technically, I'm not here. I'm, I'm, I'm not vacation, here. buddy. How is it? How's Rome? Oh, I love it. Well, actually, right now, Vatican? I think when this re- is released, I would be in Venice. Ooh. Yeah, on the gondola, right? Did you meet the Pope already or is that? Yeah, we're bros now. It's Ooh. cool. Yep. It's awesome. Yeah. I've got total enlightenment now. It's kind of cool. Sweet. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Hey, uh, well, since I can't be here, we had to bring some guests in. Do you want to introduce our guests? I think some people know these folks. Yeah. So we have Jose from Watch Skip Plus, Mr. Machine Gun Jelly himself. How are you, sir? Yes, I'm great. <laughs> Thanks and for having we, me back. Yeah, always. And we have Mr. Uh, what was it? Uh, the Godfather of what was it? The Godfather of Grindhouse? Soul? Yeah, Grindhouse. And Godfather Soul? of Soul. Yes, the Godfather of Soul. Uh, and uh, Sammy from the GGTMC. I'm happy to be here. Sammy was a late addition, but we yes. always welcome Sammy on the podcast. Yeah, and it's not yeah. a Breaking Brad episode, which makes it even better. We could talk about like yeah. real movies. Yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, I, it's weird. You know, I, I, I didn't want to punch myself in the dick while watching this movie. So. <laughs> I can't get any. I can't get any of my sound effects to work through your podcast, and I'm very upset about it. But I'm here. Okay. Hey, it's all good. I'm technically not here. You're here. We're good. I've never left. I've never left. At this point, this is like. I mean, me and Jose always joke about this being a second home, but Jesus. Or or you're first like, home. You're like the gimp that we you know yeah, out right. every once in a while. <laughs> uh, what are we talking about tonight, Brad? I think. Oh, it's my pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Underwater from 2020. I'm pretty we are. It's a science this. fiction action horror film. Yeah. yeah. Is this a first time? Why? This was the first time I'd seen it. Had anybody else seen it before? I had seen I- it. I, I went to the theaters to see it. Woohoo. Oh, cool. Yeah. First time I've seen it. Okay. Me and Sammy. Well, our, our buddy Charlie has been repping this movie for a long time. So I saw it as soon as it came out on a physical media Ooh. on Blu ray. Okay. Uh, Thank you, Charlie, for repping it because. Yeah. I came out of the theater loving it and wishing more people had seen it. Oh, yeah. Just tip your hat <laughs> so, there, Jose. Jeez. Sorry. <laughs> Can I set the stage a little bit, Troy? Of course. Capsule review. Yeah. Okay. So this movie was released, and we'll get into it here in a second. Wow. Uh, on January 10th of 2020. Yeah. You know what, what date the first American confirmed case of the 2019 novel coronavirus virus in the usa was in 2019 
I have no, no clue. You turned, 20, you turned into Mike. You turned into Mike Tyson for a second there. Oh, sorry. In yeah. 2020. Yeah. Coronavirus. <laughs> Coronavirus. <laughs> no, Brad, I, I don't know. It was January 20th of 2020. So wow. 10 days after Underwater was released, basically the world started to change. So, it, Oh, that's the right. Office, the, you could say the world went underwater. underwater. Yeah. So where's my sound effects? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, damn it. Yeah. Um, prepare, prepare clips going forward. Why am I thinking that? It, so maybe it was the American. So was the COVID virus detected in 2019? In yeah, late 2019? That's, I mean, that's why it's that's the 19, Troy. Ah, got it. There you go. Yeah, but I, you know, I, I can remember it was one of those things where I was like, huh, I wonder if it's going to make it over here and if we're going to have to wear a mask like Canada did, you know, because yeah. that's the bird flu and everything else. It never really kind of affected America. I remember having that quaint thought. Well, so <laughs> yeah, around December of 2019, I think it was March uh, when we went on lockdown. Was that right? Yeah, March 11th, I think, or something yeah. like that. So March yes. 5th, uh, I was told to fly out to Seattle. And I was just a few miles from that nursing home that had that major <laughs> outbreak for work. Wow. And of course, oh you know, flying back, I'm like, where is everybody? There's nobody in the airport. What's going on? <laughs> uh, you heard it 28 days later, all of a sudden. Well, I, hey, th- this is, this is typical work for me. Like the timing's ridiculous. After 9-11, I flew to Canada the week after. Again, nobody on the airplane. So, um, but y- let's not talk about those events. Uh, let's talk about underwater movies. Um, Sammy, you, you've you've reviewed a few on Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. I think the most recent one was what Deep Star Six. Was that right? Does that sound about right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That is. I'd say that was the last one. Yeah. Yeah. I was. I was thinking about Love this. Uh, I mean, it's a very specific genre, sort of these horror sci-fi films that take place underwater. And I, I was trying to think. Okay, what what are the big ones? And when I go through the list, uh, they all came out right around the same time, if not the same year, right? Mm -hmm. So we've got Deep Star 6 that was released in January 1989. Leviathan. Leviathan? I don't know. Leviathan. Leviathan. March 1989. Is that a Russian word? Is that a Russian word origination? No, I don't think so. It's a biblical word. Yeah, it's it's. Used in the Bible. How about that? Uh, okay, there you go. <laughs> Lords of the Deep, April 1989. Uh, Roger Corman. Yep. The big one, The Abyss, August of 1989. Then we get the... Who directed r- that? Uh, I don't know. It was... I, I think it was just a, sort of a leftover. It takes place with a submarine going after another submarine, and they find Ooh. aliens or something. It, it, was, it was shelved for a long time. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and then the only other one I can think of was Sphere in 1998. The oh, Dustin yeah. Hoffman one. Yes, I saw so I saw Sphere so many times on HBO. What, is, are there too. any others uh, you guys can think of? Uh, there's a there's a lot of them. Uh, really, uh, I think of the deep. I, th- the I mean, deep, I, I, I mean, how, say that. I mean, how, I mean, how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go here? I mean, there's kind of the difference between, you know, the the underground mining facility, the underwater mining facility, or you know. Some shark films are considered underwater films. Yeah, I was I was uh, trying to I was trying to narrow it down because I was thinking of a film like Creatures yeah. of the Abyss that's also known as Plankton. Um, yeah. But that one takes place on like a yacht in the sea, and even something like Meg has an underwater facility, or Deep Star Six has it, but it's really a shark yeah. movie, right? So, yeah. oh, yeah, what think- about the 
What about the 3D movie Sanctum? Yeah, there's Sanctum. Okay. Also yeah. produced by the that guy that did a, the Abyss. Okay. I mean, does Crawl count? I mean, Crawl doesn't really count because you're not underwater the whole time. It's kind of a croc uh, alligator. Yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking of like it, it, like '89 specifically. Uh, you had all these films that were here's a facility underwater. What about Finding Nemo? <laughs> no, no, Brad. Deep Blue Sea, The Life Aquatic. <laughs> the, uh, would would it? No. The Perfect Storm. No, I, I don't. Perfect Storm. I don't think so. The Black. Black Sea? Black Sea? I think it's just putting it's words flash. together, bud. <laughs> how about how about Frogman from 1951? Maybe. No, I, I have no Ooh, idea. Aronofsky's <laughs> Below. Aronofsky's Below, Haunted Submarine. Okay. Yeah. yeah All right. There's another one. Yeah. I mean, guys. Yeah. Hunter October, K-19 Widowmaker. I guess some of those are submarine movies, and that's kind of a different genre, really, right? Yeah, it wouldn't, like, das, that'd be in the Das Boot genre, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm... I can tell you das this. What? Das boot. Yeah, das, hey, watch your keep your boot to yourself. The uh, <laughs> I'll tell you this. Um, I love underwater facilities and movies. Do you guys mm-hmm. love them as much as I do? Yes. They, it, oh, by man. nature, it scares the crap out of me because the the yeah. thing I've always the thing that terrifies me about the ocean is when you it's infinite, right? You can't see the end of it. It's very much well, like technically, it's not infinite. I know, but. You, when you look at it, like Jaws and stuff like that underwater, it just goes on and on. At least, at least in space, you get these little Which white is dots, infinite. right? But it. Troy, we are off to we are off to the races with this one. Wow! You're, you're what saying, I'm saying, saying is, the ocean, perception the ocean is infinite. No, what <laughs> I'm saying is the ocean, infinite. while it's not infinite, when you look at it, you can't see the end. Right? It's just blue. Keeps going on and on. Space while it, infinite. Faux infinite. <laughs> I, oh, can't, I, I, I can't do this. I, I think I think you're thinking surface level conversation here. I am. I'm not talking about the science of infinity. Yeah. I'm just saying that there's something about perception of seeing something in the background like space doesn't freak me out as underwater where I can't see anything like beyond. It 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 looks infinite. I know it's not infinite. It looks infinite. Space does not. This conversation, look this conversation is infinite. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, I'm. I'm also. I feel just like I'm say, drowning. I'm just also going to say, as somebody who grew up with asthma, water has always been freakish to me because it's like you can't breathe underwater, right? You'll yeah. you'll drown. So. Well, I. I don't think I you don't can breathe in space guys. either, Jose. Spoiler, you can't breathe in space. <laughs> well, you can't do that either. There's there's bad pressure everywhere, underwater and I, in space. As we've come to discover with Not a Bomb, this is definitely not the place you come for scientific talk. <laughs> we really don't like science. Math and science are just. Whoa, 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 whoa. It, what? Math is totally fine. Math is stupid. Okay. <laughs> I think we've established this already. I, I am also terrified of water, especially large bodies of water. Like the ocean. <laughs> the ocean is terrifying to me, yes. yes. I, I will get in the ocean uh, because I have children and I, I feel like I need to do that as a father. But I will tell you that inside, I'm like, oh. I mean, you know, the old saying with a lump of coal in the butt, I, I guarantee you I could be making diamonds. I'm pretty tight in there. I, I'll tell you a movie that terrifies me. That's what that, that sound found, uh, sounded like. You were yeah. pushing out a lump of coal. Did yeah. uh, <laughs> anybody see that Luke Besson diving film? Oh, uh, yes. Uh, what the, the heck is uh, it What called? is it? The, the butterfly in the dive? No, the- Le Grand Blue. Oh, the big blue. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was thinking of um, what is it? The something in the butterfly. The that diving was another bell French, in the butterfly. 
Yeah. Diving bell and the butterfly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm thinking about the, the, the guys who would compete by holding their breath to see who could go the deepest. That's a film divers. that terrifies me. Yeah. Uh, that terrifies me even talking about it. I've not seen it and I will never watch that. Forget that. I, I was obsessed with all of those movies that you talked about. The, the abyss, deep star six, Lords of the deep and, um, and Leviathan. I've probably watched Leviathan the most out of all of them. Wow. Huh. Just because it's so, it's so, it, it's so wacky. It's got a great sexy cast. Um, it's got weird effects from Stan Winston. It's like the thing an alien underwater. It's fantastic. Oh, I know. I, I think it because it, it wasn't the sub or whoever discovered it Russian. Don't they find like, yes. It? Okay. That's why. It, it, yeah. Yeah, right. it was. Well, they, it was they, they drink, they drink Russian vodka, right? Yeah. Which had the, the, the virus, virus, the changing thing in it. Yeah. Yeah. And Amanda Pays is in it and she's in her underwear and she's sexy. And, I'll, I'll yeah. say this. We'll be, uh, I, we'll I saw all of them in the theater. I did not think Deep Star Six at the time was great outside of a couple of wow moments. Yeah. But so that's, that's interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. But when you guys talked about it, I was like, well, I guess I, I should go watch it again. So I went and picked up the Blu-ray, which is phenomenal. It's another Kino release. And, yeah. and I really enjoyed watching it this time, which is weird. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a solid underwater monster movie. Yeah. I mean, save for some weird, like, there's like weird size differentials when they end up using the puppet versus the practical stuff. But but it's still, it's still, it's no Leviathan, but it's still good. <laughs> uh, where, where do you guys land on the abyss? I mean, and then the follow-up question is, do you prefer the theatrical versus like James Cameron's director's cut? I, I, um, I think that's probably my third favorite Cameron film. Uh, if I had to third. Ooh, okay. All right. Uh, now give us uh, one and two. Give us. Well, that would be Terminator and, uh. Oh man, what's the other James Cameron film I really like? True Lies, Aliens, Titanic. Maybe it's my second favorite James Cameron film. Avatar, <laughs> Avatar, Way of Water. Avatar, Way of the Water is actually a water film. Um, yeah, yeah. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. Piranha, not, you like Piranha Two? Oh, I do like Piranha. Double there, D, not, Piranha not Two, <laughs> Two Double D. I like that one too. Actually, I think Abyss is my second favorite Cameron film. Now that I think about it, yeah. Right. Which version of it? I like both versions of it. I like the uh, I like the theatrical cut. I saw I saw it several times. I had it on. I still got it on DVD. That fat DVD box. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. And, love fat uh, DVD boxes. Yeah, you remember those fat DVD boxes? I, Independ- I saw on the Independence Day and Die Hard, Big Trouble in Little yeah. China, the, all those. the double ones. Yeah, yeah. Armageddon, I, on Criterion. I got that fat one. Oh yeah, love the fat. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't I even like she, Armageddon. Yeah, <laughs> just keep talking about those fat DVD boxes. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I love it. We could get under. We could, we could just get underwater. We could talk about fat DVD boxes and well, wait. We could do it infinitely. <laughs> um, Abyss is fantastic, and it makes me cry every single time. And you guys know which scene I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where I will you- say it ends a little weird, but but I I do like the film. I like the director's cut. I think the director's cut fleshes it out better. Than yeah. the theatrical, uh, but yeah, there's some strong stuff in there. Yeah. I like. It. I think when when Cameron's doing anything underwater, he's definitely fleshing one out. If you know what I'm saying. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he about, really he really enjoys that. What about you, Brad? Do you, do you have a preference or? Do you, uh, do you I mean, like the I've, I've seen the Abyss a few times. I'm not sure I could tell you which version is which. I think the the 
director's cut does that have more of like the backstory like in the conflict stuff between no, it has, it has, it has the big alien it has sure. the tidal wave the big tidal wave the big oh, tidal yeah. wave is the way you can really tell the difference yeah. the massive yeah. the mega tsunami or whatever yeah. they call it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. okay the cameron tsunami yeah i okay that one i, I do like um yeah the, the abyss is i like it and rumor is we're finally getting a 4k version of it sometime soon so yeah that's true lies I'm excited about that. I, I think that um, the rig, as they say in these movies a lot, that rig is really well designed in the Abyss and stuff, which I'm going to say a lot of positive things about this rig in this movie as well. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. I actually, uh, I, I saw it a couple of times in the theater and loved it. And when that director's cut came out, it really made it a nice companion piece to something like Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which I think is yeah. what he was going with or going for, right? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Actually, the abyss makes me cry a couple of times. Yeah. But anyway, that's beside the point. Okay. Well, hey, let's not. Th- th- infinitely, movie. infinitely beside the point. Infinitely. Wow, we have sidetracked. We have. Well, <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> We're going to get back on, or try to, I guess, kick it over to Brad. We'll talk about when this thing was released on top of COVID, I guess. You want, you want to give us a story there, Brad? I'm not saying that this like caused COVID. I think you were implying it, it, it which it sounds like a conspiracy theory. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to say it. If this I is when I hold up a picture, a new picture of Hunter Biden in front of us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. oh that's nice. Wow. On the water I've, slide. Yeah. I don't know. Exactly. I, I've seen those. Wow. Um, I don't know how I've seen I have, those. I have too. <clears throat> yeah. Um, <laughs> I, look, we're not going down that path. <laughs> okay. I'm just going to so, say that I would have spread coronavirus. If I'd have been on that rig with Christian Sturt, I would have been spreading some virus everywhere. Ah, uh, yeah. I think yeah. Hunter. I think Hunter Biden was spreading virus everywhere. Okay. <laughs> okay. On uh, to Brad. <laughs> released January 10th of 2020 with a reported budget of 80 million dollars. Wow. Uh, underwater grosses 17 million dollars domestically and Ouch. 23 million dollars internationally for a grand total of 40 million dollars so it Ooh. makes back half of its production budget wow ouch uh, which is yeah. pretty pretty sad damn you opening, COVID. yeah opening weekend it opens in in seventh place with seven million dollars and Jesus. it gets beat by the following films Number one that week was 1917. Hmm. Um, in its oh, first that wide week. Yeah. <laughs> this uh, is real. This is really bringing back COVID memories. I know. Really. <laughs> it this is really back. <laughs> Number two that week, Star Wars Episode Nine: Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Ooh. Number Mark. two. Hey, hey. Jumaji, the next level. Ooh. Four was like a boss. Three. Yeah. Or five, I'm sorry, was just mercy. Six was Little Women, and then um, seven was Underwater. Dang, <sighs> I know little watch women Pl- beat underwater. What the? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Watch Skip Plus doesn't talk about Rotten Tomatoes, but this isn't Watch Skip Plus. That's this right. is not a bomb. <laughs> hey, I right. did and really good on that episode. I never I said the term Rotten Tomatoes. I was pretty. I proud know. Of Thank you so much. You're welcome. Meanwhile, I'm like la 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 la. I just said some guy's name like four times incorrectly, but I didn't say Rotten Tomatoes. I heard that. Kitledge. Kitteridge. Kitteridge. Rotten Tomatoes has underwater at a 48% with the critics and a 60% with the audience. 60. Yep. And also, the Christians have a little bit of a problem. 
pagan world underwater. views, pagan, pagan underwater views. <laughs> pagan underwater views. Can okay. We, wait, can we vote? Uh, yes. uh, okay. You have to explain okay. the scale. Okay. Though. Okay. Okay. We're getting excited. Getting We're sorry. We're overzealous. Sorry. All of you. Okay. So for those of you who are not familiar, moviedive.org is a Christian website that gives uh, our little Christian eyes and ears uh, protection from anything that might be naughty. So they review films, not for their quality, but for their content. And they use a scale of plus four to minus four. Uh, plus four being the most positive, minus four being the most negative. Gentlemen, I'm going to start with Sammy. Sammy, where is underwater on the Christian scale? Negative two. All mm. right. Okay. Jose? I said minus one. Okay. So Troy, I, my friend? Do I get a pick? Can do I have to pick something they haven't picked? No, you can pick whatever you want. Okay, just make sure. Well, I'm I'm gonna go negative two. All right, it is a negative a two. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Dang. So, I think so there's we, a re- there's a reason. I have a I have a theory. I think Troy probably has the same. Okay. Theory. Oh yeah, it's, so it's at the in end this, there. <laughs> in this review, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Cthulhu. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, in this review, they break it down into a few categories. So the first category is. Dominant worldview and or other worldview content slash elements. AKA pagan worldview. This has a strong moral and redemptive, but scary tale of survival and sacrifice. Ooh. Ooh. Under foul language, we have about 23 obscenities, mostly H and S words, but including two F words, five strong profanities, four GDs and one Jesus profanity, nine light profanities, mostly OMG. <laughs> so they say OMG or or they, no, they say, say oh, oh my god, god. okay right. yeah 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 but and that's like say, that's like using the lord's name in vain that's yeah, how can that's, that be a mind call that a light profanity i don't know uh okay. okay violence very strong violence including a couple of gruesome undersea deaths see i have a problem this movie's called underwater and they keep referring to undersea they keep saying undersea come <laughs> on let's do they it. use the word infinite anywhere no, they don't. Because <laughs> we're not moronic. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and lo- lots Sorry. Of intense- Add Jesus into there, too. I just said it. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Intense jeopardy and violence involving floors and walls of massive deep sea facility implode and buckle intense, around people. Intense uh, jeopardy. Is that like watching Jeopardy with like being nude or something? Uh, yeah, like while you're whipping yourself, too, because you've sinned. Oh, or something. in, in uh, the flesh, so to speak. Yeah. Yes, yeah, scary what underwater. What is self-flagellation? <laughs> yes, scary underwater Alex. monsters. <laughs> Listen to this sentence: Scary underwater monsters with scary-looking pointy teeth uh, stalk six survivors and eventually try to attack the survivors. Many narrow escapes. People get injured and sometimes die. Huh. Sometimes. Okay, here we go. Nudity. Yeah. Oh, is this the Brief- third category? Yes. Okay. Does it say not, not enough? <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Nudity. Brief upper male nudity. Oh. And, yeah. and lead character wears a sports bra or halter top and shorts in some scenes where she's not wearing a fancy, bulky, deep sea diving suit. Huh. When not. They when not. Yeah. When she's I mean, not, you've yeah. got to really you have to clean up their grammar when you read this. I know, stuff. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Alcohol I mean, I, use. I, I, I really get turned on by Gears of War-esque armor. <laughs> yes, I know exactly. <laughs> she did not wear a halter top. 
No, I come on. Is all I'm going to say. Okay. I'm a straight male, and I was like, that is not a halter top. Alcohol use. No alcohol use. Smoking and or drug uh, use and abuse. No smoking or drugs. And last category, miscellaneous immorality. Two survivors have a close. Whoa. This is two survivors have to close an undersea safety door to a safe room on a bunch of other people when it comes clear the other people will not make it god that is i don't worse. understand what you just said that is <laughs> not a sentence they had to shut they had to shut a door on people then say that i know exactly they, okay. Whew, okay and lastly films <laughs> you could have seen january of 2020 we have the grudge remake part two redo yep part two a Yep. Uh, we have 1917, Just Mercy, Like a Boss. Uh, we also have Bad Boys for Lizife. Doolittle. You guys remember Doolittle? Oh, no the one Robert knows. Downey Jr. thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he said, I read an interview once where he was like, it was one of the most important movies he made, and he wishes more people saw yep. it. Uh, challenge, but go ahead. We need, to stop calling, we need to stop calling films important. I heard someone Good. say Oppenheimer was the most important film they've seen in the last decade. Yeah. It's, I've seen that article come let's, across. Let's let's back off. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the Last Full Measure, which apparently was a in-theaters film that I've never heard of. What is um, The Last Full Measure? I don't know, but Jackson. It's, it's conjuring an image, I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Gentleman, also. The Turning. Uh, Color Out of Space. Ooh. Oh, Nick Cage. And... Yeah. Yeah, these are all very COVID related. I can remember all this. Gretel yeah. and Hansel, the yeah, rhythm section. And oh. I believe there was one. Nope, that's it. Hey, we just talked did about just the talk- rhythm section. Yeah, yeah, we just did talk about the rhythm section. So that one was affected by COVID. Yeah. Uh, I like yeah. that movie. There's a lot of bombs in there that we can uh, like pick from, actually. Yeah. The Gretel and Hansel I, film, which surprisingly is pretty good. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. I don't yeah, know if you heard uh, about this thing, but there was this thing called COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. Was Anthony Perkins' uh, son directed that, right? Right on, Hanson. I'm going to say Oz Perkins. Sure, Oz Perkins. Yeah, yeah, maybe. No. Well, maybe. hey, speaking of people behind the camera, or as our uh, comrades say over at Watch Skip Plus, below the line. Below the line. We'll uh, yes. kick it over to Jose. Tell us all about the folks uh, who who kind of worked behind the scenes on this. Yeah, sure. Below the, Under- waist, below, below the waistline, give us the last great measure. Oh, Brad's sinking. <laughs> no, okay, he's anyway. rising. He's rising. No, his desk what? is rising. He's sinking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there he goes. He's gone. Yeah. It is the weirdest. Okay. So under the waterline. Uh, we have our director is William Eubank. He started mainly as a cinematographer and a host of shorts and videos. He directed a few uh, uh, direct-to-streaming thrillers, some starring 50 Cent and Dave Bautista. But he finally broke into the hyphenate realm, that being writer-director, on 2011's Love. At, while I've never seen this film, the logline goes, a man spends years alone on a space station orbiting Earth after losing communication with Houston slash Earth, which I think are the same thing. But he spends time on maintenance, exercise, watching old messages, and reading a journal by a soldier in the American Civil War. I, what? I don't know. Anyway, it sounds interesting. No, it, like, no, it doesn't. That does not like sound interesting. Moon meets, oh. say, a no. YA novel. I don't no. know. Pass. Um, 
Film most notable. It got a lot of buzz, though. That film did. It did. It buzzed. Okay. Nerds. Oh, no. <laughs> most notably, he wrote and directed 2014's The Signal, starring Brenton Thwaites, Olivia Cook, and Lawrence Fishburne. Mind you, this is not the 2007 horror film The Signal, directed by three directors. Yeah, the, uh, we covered the signal on GGTMC. Mm-hmm. So yeah, good. it's an interesting film. I, I kind of dug it, it. It's not great, but it is. It'll make you think, and it's it definitely has a style to burn. I Absolutely. I think it's kind of great. I, so yeah, I agree. I, it's I, great. I mean, I, I like it a lot. Yeah. Eubank would go on to direct the Paramount Plus requel Paranormal Activity Next of Kin. Right. And then his resume stops. Um, I think he's got so, a, like four things in production or coming out. He does. Yeah, he does. But but, you know, who knows? He's got a Russell uh, Crowe Crow movie coming out. Uh-huh. Boom. Land of Bad, I believe is what it's called. Land, Land of, of Bad. Bad. Yeah. yeah, it's a That's war sexy. action movie or something like that. Russell Crowe drives past McDonald's and doesn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> that Russell Crowe. Yeah. Okay. So writer, our writers are Brian Duffield and Adam Corzid Duffield. Yes. Troy's making the uh, uh, horns symbol for this guy. Uh, Heck yeah. Should be familiar to not a bomb listeners as he wrote 2020's love and monsters also covered by not a bomb. Correct? Episode 36. Yes. There you go. One of my one of the favorite best movies we've done. Yeah. One of I, look. If we were choosing pantheons of films, uh, you'd have stuff like Brigsby Bear, stuff like that. Love and Monsters would be in there. That movie's amazing. It's, it's fantastic. Right. I saw it in the theaters. I was like, "This rocks." So uh, while Duffield has only directed one one film, it's and that film is Spontaneous, starring Charlie Plummer and Catherine Langford, which he also wrote. He's primarily a writer and a producer. He has written and produced the Netflix babysitter films. They're kind of like meta horror parodies. He produced Cocaine Bear. He created, developed for television, and EP'd the new animated Skull Island series on Netflix. Oh, yeah. uh, that is sort of, I guess, tied to the legendary Titans universe. He wrote the screenplays for the third Divergent film, which I think was called Insurgent. It was rhyming. And then the controversial... Jane Got a Gun, which had a very difficult production, if you read about it, and was several years before it was finally released. Adam Korzid is the, I'm I'm sorry, Kozad, is a consulting producer on FX's The Old Man. So if nobody's seen that, it's, I think it's pretty fantastic. You should check it out. That starred Jeff Bridges. I watched it, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Those first two episodes are, I mean, I'm not saying the show is not good. It is, but those first two episodes were amazing. And then when the twist comes in five, it gets even better. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kozid also also wrote Jack Ryan, Shadow Recruit, and The Legend of Tarzan, starring Alexander Skarsgård. Our DP is one of my favorite director of photographers ever. His name is Boyan Bazelli. He's from Yugoslavia. He's one of very few contemporary cine- cinematographers to have almost always been a cinematographer. So most of the cinematographers work up through the camera department, camera operating, etc. He was hired straight out of film school by Abel Ferrara to shoot the feature China Girl in 1987. He also went on to lens Ferrara's King of New York and Body Snatchers. He frequently hey. collaborates with Gore Verbinski. Mm-hmm. Um, we he talked has about shot one of his films. The Ring, The Lone Ranger, right. and yeah. A Cure for Wellness. All of those have great visuals. He's shot several movie musicals, Hairspray, Burlesque, and Rock of Ages, starring an actor named Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. And 
He also shot the cult films Tapeheads, Pumpkinhead, The Rapture, Deep Cover, Boxing Helena, Surviving the Game, and California. The man has street cred, I will tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Great DP, yeah. His recent works are Snake Eyes, the G.I. Joe Origins film, Netflix's Murder Mystery 2, and then Disney Plus's Peter Pan and Wendy, starring Jude Law and Mila Jovovich's daughter, Ever Anderson. Uh, just, uh, Yay just for two, nepotism. Woohoo! Just <laughs> two, two more, two more shout-outs. Our production designer is a, a gentleman named Naman Marshall. He collaborates a lot with M. Night... Sh- uh, I was about to do Shamalama Ding Dong, but it's not... M. Shyamalan. Night... Sh- Shyamalan, uh, he's dong. had yep. production designer duties on The Visit, Old, Knock at the Cabin, and Shyamalan's Apple TV series Servant. He's yep. also been the production designer for Stuber, Don't Breathe, and Simon McQuoad's Mortal Kombat. And Ooh. interestingly enough, he started as a model maker and assistant art director on a few of the Mission Impossible sequels before art directing films like The Dark Knight, John Carter, Nightcrawler, the Westworld series, and John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum also has a pretty amazing eye. And this is produced by Peter Chernin. I won't go into why I love Peter Chernin, but suffice suffice it to say, if Chernin is a producer on a film, nine times out of ten, you're gonna at least enjoy watching it. So I when I see his name, I kind of check out this stuff. But IMDB Peter Chernin, uh, he's he's pretty fantastic. Yeah, there's there's one name I want to throw out there too, and I don't know if you looked at this, but the visual effects supervisor Blair Clark. So no, I have not. Yeah, I, th- this is a creature <laughs> feature. So one of the things that I'm always interested in is who worked behind the scenes on either the visual effects, the special effects, the creature design, etc. This name pops up because it's super interesting, especially when we talk about the back end of the film, specifically the the big climax. But Blair Clark, he started working for ILM back in 1985 as a puppeteer on Young Sherlock Holmes. And then he moves on to work like Willow in 1988 as a stop motion model maker. He becomes an animation supervisor for Tibbet Studios and does The Haunting in 1999 moves into visual effects supervising. His first film that he did was Cats and Dogs from 2001. We've Uh seen his work before on this show when we talked about Hellboy back in 19, or excuse me, he Hellboy was 2004. Our episode was episode 97. And most recently, he's worked on stuff like Clifford the Big Red Dog in 2021 and Secret Headquarters in 2022. So I think that's a name worth mentioning because... um, a movie like this sort of lives or dies sometimes on its creature effects. And yeah. when we get to share our thoughts, I, I, I think it'll be curious. Like, did, did we think he did a good job with his team? So actually, you know what? This brings to mind actually two people, I guess I should mention also. Yeah, go ahead. Leandre Lagrange. He is the creature designer. Yeah. And uh, he is actually pretty fantastic. He works with MPC, which is a motion picture uh, company, moving pictures company. It's a special effects and visual effects um, crew, but also legacy effects, which is essentially the continuation of Stan Winston Studios that was founded by Shane Mahan. And they created the underwater suits, which are fantastic looking. They look mm-hmm. like half anime half like sci-fi they're they're pretty amazing yeah wait I agree. say anime again please anime mm, okay <laughs> oh Ooh, fancy yeah 
Uh, I think Victor Cassell would pronounce it that way as well. Okay. Well, there's a limited cast here. I think if you look at the credits, there's like 10 people, at least on IMDb. I'm only going to mention a few. We'll start with um, Kristen Stewart. So, Jose, we already know you're going to talk about one film that she's done. So I'm going to start with you and just just get your opinion on her as an actress. Talk about Charlie's Angels. Go ahead. Do it. Yes. So I... Like, I obviously, I knew Kristen Stewart from Twilight, and uh, no surprise, I loved all of those movies. Um, You're so gay. You're so gay. I love it, but you are I'm so sorry, everybody. Everyone, I'm a Don't apologize for being gay. No. No, he he should not, but it's so funny, because I knew (laughs) him coming. I apologize for liking glittery vampires. Listen, and, I apologize you know. for Brad saying you're so gay. There's nothing wrong with being so gay. No, he's there's totally not. I just I knew he was going to say that. <laughs> I mean, gay Twilight, they 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 go together. Anyway, uh, I never thought she was a great actress in those movies, even though I loved those movies. And so. I'd always seen her as either the indie darling because she'd done things like, you know, Personal Shopper and uh, Seaberg, uh, the Prime movie. Mm-hmm. And even watching those, I still was kind of like, mm, the verdict's out or what have you. And then I saw Charlie's Angels directed by Elizabeth Banks. And she just looked like not only was she having so much fun in it, but I was like, damn, she can act and she has comedic timing. And then couple I don't, of that I don't think with- the audience thought so. The audience may not have thought so, but they are wrong. <laughs> just like the aggregate website, which shall not be named. Okay. Um, say there was there was no audience for that movie. <laughs> I am the audience. I'm the gay audience of one for Charlie's Angels. And it Aggre- is aggregation, aggregation. I can't even talk. What the hell are you Aggre- trying to say? Aggregation, aggregation causes aggression. Oh, there okay. we go. Yeah, it, do- yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, <laughs> but seeing Kristen Stewart not only in Charlie's Angels, but then her very measured, deliberate, tick-full uh, performance in Crimes of the Future, as well as this movie. And I have finally come around to saying that Kristen Stewart is a, gr- a good actress. What about Spencer? Have you seen Spencer yet? Great. I have not seen Spencer, Ooh, but okay. I hear it's... I, hear it's I, I, I haven't seen it yet, but I bought it because, uh, well, your, your podcast brother, Sammy, Will, uh, oh, yeah. repped for that pretty hard. And I'm like, well, if he thinks that highly of it i i should buy it now so i just haven't gotten around and to yet it. troy did not buy charlie's angels no <laughs> I, look, we'll do I mean, we'll, we're gonna know. do that movie at some point i'm waiting for the yeah. 4k to go on sale and then i'll buy it troy does all of his uh blu-ray and dvd shopping at the ggtmc <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're God. you need affiliate links ggtmc that's what you need yeah, really. it's terrible yeah. it is terrible how much i spend from listening on your show Mm-hmm. I will add one more movie to her filmography that I really love. And that's adventure land from Oh nine. That's the one oh, I yeah. gravitate. Like that's the one where I kind of became a Kristen Stewart fan a little bit. Yeah. Cause she's, she's so really good. good at that. That, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I've always liked her. I have, I, I, even though I knew, you know, I, I have not seen a twilight film. I just want to say for the record, I'm not saying that I've seen the first bad. one. How, how gay does that make me, Brad? I've seen the first one. Does that make me a little <laughs> quarter, gay quarter, quarter. Quarter gay. Quarter gay. Okay. Quarter. The thing 10%. is, I, that's probably me, it's, a, it's a simple thing of I just don't really care enough, but I do like, you know, a lot of the stuff she's popped up in, including, you know, one that I'll rep for that I think it's kind of crapped on, and that's Doug Lyman's Jumper, which I think is actually a better film than a lot of people think it is. I, I do. I do like that film. <laughs> I do yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. I also rep for On the Road, the Jack Kerouac. Um, oh, yeah. Ensemble. She was in that. that she, she was, she was, yeah. She was actually 
really good in that too. I just she think it's in, she's into into the wild too. She she's an interesting actress. She she works. I think she she plays both sides very well. The independent darling and the big budget stuff. I think she she knows what she's doing with her career. Well, I just think it's so interesting how her and Robert Pattinson have to fight so hard to shed that Twilight skin. Yeah, yeah. Like, like Robert They've Pattinson really have, have come back around and people are like, oh, no, he's a good actor. And now people are kind of doing the same thing with Kristen Stewart, too. But it just it takes so much work. I mean, either even like Daniel Radcliffe is seeing this with Harry Potter. It's just you have to do like 20 films before people start to see you as a as not that character. Sure. Um, sure. So, yeah, I, I, I always forget when you look at her filmography that it goes back to things like Panic Room, Sethura, stuff like that, even before Twilight. Um, the other, she's good in Panic Room too. Yeah, she is. Yeah. Uh, the other name Uh, I just want to spend. Sethura, by the way, Sethura is the better version of Jumanji. Jumanji. Oh my God. By like a thousand fold. Uh, Yes, I agree. hundred percent. If people have slept on Sethura. You're 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 sleeping on the wrong movie. My kids watch that way more than anything else. They they love that that film. It's a good one. The other the other actor that I kind of get excited about that shows up in this is Vincent Castle. Now I'll before I kick it over to you guys, the I two films Cassell. 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 Sorry, Vincent Cassell. I might have called him Victor Cassell, by the way, earlier, but Vincent Cassell, yes. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Uh, the, the two films where I kind of started paying attention to him was the Crimson Rivers in 2000 with Jean Reno, which uh, I think is a fun little thriller. And it actually has uh, some good martial arts in it, too. And then uh, he followed that up a year later with Brotherhood of the Wolf in 2001. Oh, yes. He's which good, those two films, I, I mean, when I saw him, I'm like, who's this guy? And then uh, I automatically, as soon as I see his name in something, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm interested. Uh, but I don't know what you guys think of him. Uh, Sammy, you probably have a little bit more exposure to him than than I know myself. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think he's one of the great actors in the world right now. And uh, yeah. he has an amazing presence. Yes. Yeah. Like his, his face is so made for movies. It's unbelievable. I mean, he is he is both haggard and sexy and all these things kind of mixed and he really, for me, he never really feels like he's acting, even when he's kind of going over the top and stuff, like in the Ocean's uh, 13 film or whatever. Yeah. Uh, he's really good in that. But he's also in, you know, in fairness for me, he's in, you know, one of my favorite films of the last 20 years, which is irreversible. So, mm, yeah, man, that's a wa- I've watched it. I can't I don't think I can go back to it. I really can't. It ha- um, yeah. man, ta- that is the the king of transgressive films. Yeah, we uh, we covered it. Uh, we covered that. Uh, no, we didn't cover that, but we did cover a, a two film series he did that I highly recommend people check out. So it's the Marine films, Killer Instinct. Mm-hmm. And yes, I was about to recommend that, that too. Yeah. yeah, definitely check those two films out. They're yeah. amazing. I bought Great those because of your stupid show. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you did. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he also was in Black Swan. He was the uh, yes. sort of yes. like yeah. gross, seducing, like you know, we're doing. We are doing Black Swan. Done to death, I'm sure, but it would be powerful. Yeah. yeah. Brad, thoughts on that? was a Vincent? horrible, horrible imitation. I don't know. It's way. pretty good. But pretty I, good. But I good. love I like his it. accent. Yeah. I would also say that there's a French term, jolie lad, ugly, beautiful. I think it absolutely applies to him because there's, I don't know, there's just something really weirdly compelling about his face. It's not quite beautiful, but it's also not quite ugly. But like. Oh, let me ask you this. Is amazing. he the French Danny Trejo? No. 
No, no, he's not the French. I, I think Danny Trejo is like ugly, beautiful. I love Danny well, Trejo. Yes, yes, but I'm I'll, just saying, like, yeah. yeah, I'll agree with you on the face aspect. Uh, Danny Trejo doesn't uh, pick the kind of films that Vincent does. No, no, no. Yes. I know that. I'm just saying his his look <laughs> and his presence. I, yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't put him in the same genre or caliber of <laughs> acting. Um, no, no. But their look, I, I, they're so memorable when you see them. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. What about you, Brad? I, I mean. Hey Brad, I mean, if you haven't if you haven't seen Crimson Rivers, you need to watch. I know you'll like that film, hundred percent. Okay, I mean, but Brotherhood of the Wolf is one of my favorite movies of all time, so he's in that. Yep. So he gets a pass for me. Okay. Um, oh, there, and like he's in that Joan of Arc film as well, which the I, messenger? I like a lot. The Messenger. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He is yeah. so good. Oh, is that a is that a uh, Luc Besson? Luc Besson. Yeah, that is a Luc Besson film, mm-hmm. isn't it? Luc oh, Besson, yes. starring Mia Milia Jovovich. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just, and John wow. Malkovich, by the way, <laughs> Jovovich Malkovich. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Giselle. only going to be two other names I want to mention real quick. Uh, the first one we can talk about real quick: T.J. Miller as Paul, mm-hmm. who made his screen debut in 2008's Cloverfield. Um, just real quick, gut reactions on T.J. Miller. I, I feel like he's either a love him or hate him kind of thing. There's there's two Cloverfield alumni in this film. Oh, uh, that's right. There's John there Gallagher actually. did. Uh, t- 10 Cloverfield, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Lane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, TJ Miller. So here's the thing. I, I think he's really good at what he does. Um, I know he's been problematic behind the scenes lately. I know he's got a bit of a bad reputation. He's done some things that uh, evidently he's not the uh, uh, very professional behind the, the scenes. He's not so the I gentleman. Like he yeah. he got me too. Like, I heard he had like a brain something like a brain aneurysm or something and it like triggered like personality come stuff. Out and said I mean, that's what he per- said. Yeah, yeah. Some stuff. He gave some reasoning for it. And, you know, you kind of want to give people the benefit of the doubt, but you're also like, you're still kind of a huge asshole. So yeah, yeah. I just wanted to bring <laughs> that up. I, I really like him uh, on the TV show that HBO did the Silicon Valley H- uh, HBO show. He was so He's, perfect for that show. Yeah. So good. And I will be the first one to say, I mean, I, I enjoy his smart ass humor. I really do. I don't think he's an amazing actor, but I think he's in the right with the right amount of TJ Miller. He can add some flavor to your film. Okay. Right. So like he does in here kind of what he did in, in the transformers movie, but that movie was such a wreck that you hardly even remember TJ Miller was in it. So but uh, I but I agree. Silicon Valley. I think that his style of acting, though, that sort of that sort of deadpan, snarky commentary kind of thing, it can definitely wear thin on people. I know people have tried to watch Silicon Valley, and they're like, "I hate that fat guy. I can't watch it." Well, do you, yeah. you know? do you think like because uh, he did Deadpool, the first one? Do you think doing that film kind of pigeonholed him into roles like I mean, Underwater and Deadpool? His character are very similar. He's playing Weasel. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, well, it's very, it's very Silicon Valley as well. You know, okay. just this sort of like narcissistic, like snarky. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only other name I want to mention real quick, because it gives us a chance to talk about how amazing that film is, is Jessica Henwick. So she plays Emily in this film, but she also played Amy in Love and Monsters. So, oh, yeah. Um, was. yeah, if we haven't said it yet, if you haven't seen Love and Monsters, you really need to watch that film. She was um, really good in Glass Onion, which I did with uh, Watch Get Plus. So go listen yes. to that episode. Woo-hoo. Yeah, yeah. And I'm probably the only person that 
watched the entire Iron Fist series because I liked her so much. Okay. Um, I did because I like the the Finn what's his guy who can't who can't um, act because he's so just, sexy, but he was awful. We, we should have watched that together and ate ice cream. There you go. Well, there you go. She's also in Game of Thrones. The, yeah, yeah. She's the but best thing about. Let's not forget she was in Love and Monsters, which is the thing. <laughs> so if you heard all those titles and you're like, well, where do I start? Start with Love and Monsters. That yeah, will make definitely you start with that. But I mean, I, and I agree with you guys. I love Love and Monsters as well. But she was one of my favorite parts of the new Matrix. I got to say. I, yeah, I Bugs, Bugs was good. Oh, yeah, she was. I know I'm probably the only one that liked that movie. <laughs> no, I, I liked it. I liked it more than than Troy and Brad, I think, but uh, I didn't love it. I think you might be the one that champions it. I, I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not going to champion it. But I, if, I did, if we're I talking did about it. a movie that you will champion, once you see yeah. Love and Monsters, you'll go out and uh. champion that to all your friends. <laughs> Listeners, you can understand why Troy and the word infinite go hand in hand. <laughs> <laughs> Well played. Sir. Okay, wait, wait. Before we get to before we get to opinions, um, I the to the listeners, I had sort of texted to this group um, that they would not be able to divine which of the male actors in this uh, film actually drive me crazy. That like I think is super, super, super sexy. So I wanted to hear everybody's guess because I will say this: Brad, Brad said, and I quote. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're reading our texts on. I don't think you should do that, Jose. <laughs> no, no, no. I was just going to say. I was okay. just going to say. Okay. Well, I won't read it. I won't quote it. But Brad was. <laughs> Brad pretty much said T.J. Miller shirtless was probably the high point. That would that would film. be my guess as well. Yeah. Do you, Do you Rick. have a guess, Brick? Sorry, Sammy. Uh, uh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You got to make sure you uh, use my alter ego at all sorry. times, please. Yeah. In my contract. <laughs> right. Um. You can also call me Bugs, and uh, you can infinitely call me uh, Booty Tooth. Booty Tooth. Uh, <laughs> Sir Booty Tooth. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish, uh, you know, I'm, I I hate to do this on the air and not sound professional. Normally, I would tell somebody to pause, so I would sound professional. But Randy just texted me while we were uh, recording here. So yeah. if Randy's listening, I just got your text as we're recording. And you guys were talking, and I was reading the text, and oh. uh, apologize. Dang it, Randy. Oh. You've, been, you've, been, you've been podcasting for 15 years. And- yeah. Way to be but, professional, yes, Sam. Yes, yes, he's Randy. That's true. Okay, I give you that. All right, we, he, we brings us, Rick, he, he is the glue that holds us all together. That, that is, is true. Yeah, he is. But Rick, you have to vote on which of the male Sammy. past drove me nuts, makes me crazy, that well, I want to marry, that I want to sleep with, do all the I things. So, to. I also I mean, know I, you like Harry Ben. So is John Gallagher yeah. Jr. So. So for me, I mean, my immediate thought is T.J. Miller, but I'm going to go with, and then you know, I there's a part of me. Because I'm actually, I'm not sexually attracted because I'm heterosexual, but I do find Vincent Cassell very sexy. Yep, that's so. Brad I'm going to go twenty five percent. I'm going to go. That's, I'm going to go with John Gallagher Jr. I think he's the dark horse here. Mm-hmm. He is the dark horse, and he is the one. Yeah. I oh, man. am obsessed with John. Gallagher. I saw his picture on IMDb, and I'm like, yep that that's that's the one. That's yeah. the one. He's also been in musicals. So he uh, wanted to. Oh, that's what you Awakening. didn't tell us that. If I knew and, he was uh, in musicals. I, hey, hey. But right. uh, yeah, no, he's. Oh, he's. Wow. I, love and I bet you're going to be the one person that likes that movie Peppermint. Tell me you like Peppermint. He likes Peppermint. <laughs> I love Jennifer yeah. Garner. So there you go. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, look, there's. Before we share our thoughts uh, or actually take a break. I, real quick, production and development. There's not much to talk about here, but I, f- I found this to be interesting. 
The film was released in the United States on January 10, 2020 by 20th Century Fox. It was the last film under the Fox name before the studio's rebranding as 20th Century Studios on January 17th. So a little bit of trivia for you. Maybe yep. that was the cause of COVID. That was the cause. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. They're changing their name. <laughs> Folks, if, if you're still with us, if you didn't like tap out 20 minutes ago, <laughs> uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to just share our thoughts on this little film. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. The crowds are thinning out at the snack bar, folks, and there are still three minutes till showtime. You can easily make it for something that'll just hit the spot. How about it? Don't waste a second of refreshment time. You'll find such an appetizing assortment of refreshments at the snack bar, you won't be able to decide what to ask for first. All of your snack bar favorites are there, including fresh peanuts, hot popcorn, and candy of all kinds. And believe us, you've never eaten better hot dogs, crisper french fries, or more delicious buttered popcorn. They began in the water dark, gliding shapes that violate every law of nature. They're not human, but they hunt human women. Not for killing, for mating. Humanoids from the deep, starring Doug McClure, Anne Turkel, and Vic Morrow. Humanoids from the deep, rated R under 17, not admitted without parent. For those who uh, just weren't here for the little break that we did, I was being made fun of for all my science expertise at the beginning of the show, and uh, just want to publicly go on record and tell you three your dicks, okay? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Troy Nye, the science guy. Yeah, but I love you so much. Um, so let, let's get into this. I'm going to start with you, Brad. Uh, this was not a first-time watch. You got to revisit this thing. So tell us what you think about Underwater. Yeah, so straight off the bat, I think this is one of the better science fiction films that's come out in a while. Um, I think what it does really, really well is it's super lean and just kind of gets into it. I think there's like five minutes and then shit starts hitting the fan and it goes until the very end. I mean, we have like a solid 90 minutes where characters are pretty much in peril and they're going the whole time. Um, I mean, obviously someone saw aliens and said, or alien and said, Hey, let's do that. But in the water and it works. And I mean, at the end of this film, you have a big giant Cthulhu that is like the big bad at the end. And it's so cool. It's like, how did we get from Kristen Stewart brushing her teeth to Cthulhu? I don't know, but I loved it. Um, you know, this movie is so good that TJ Miller can't even screw it up. 
and that's saying a lot. Um, no, I, I really, I really like it. Like the characters have a really good rapport. Um, you know, there is a moment in this movie that gives me so much terror and it's when they're crawling in the closed space. I get so claustrophobic that it just, it, I get so uneasy with that stuff. Um, and like, there's a dead body in there that doesn't bother me. It's like them crawling through small spaces, but yeah, I, I really enjoy this quite a bit. I think Kristen Stewart is doing her best Ripley impression. I mean, even down to like wearing underwear a lot of the time, like it is, it is a lot of homages to alien in here, but I think she, she is really, really solid as the lead in, in as like the foundation of this, uh, of this movie. Um, yeah, I, I I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I don't have any sort of nitpicks. I mean, it is 95 minutes of really good sort of your horror action science fiction mix that, you know, it, it just it's worth a watch. And I, I, I'm really disappointed that like 48 percent of critics, I know, like it's OK to not agree with the critics, but 48 percent like didn't like said this was a good movie and 52% said it wasn't like, I don't know what you want. Like it, it, this to me is like what I want for like a Friday night film where I'm just going to sit down and watch something that's a hundred minutes. Like, give me this. Um, and the suits look really cool. I mean, everything aesthetically looks awesome. The monsters, they do a really good job of kind of hiding them until like the end when you kind of get to see more of the monsters themselves. But yeah, man, I, I I really like it. Like again, I think all the characters, all the actors in this are doing a lot. Um, there's a guy who implodes, and it is gruesome and badass at the same time. So, and no, let's not make up any submarine jokes about implosions. But you know, it it and and that was another thing. It's like, should we be talking about this film right now? Is it still too soon? I'm like, ah, it's fine. So yeah. So th- this is a second viewing for you. Uh, it has some surprises, but was it still tense and scary and everything knowing that you'd seen this before? How, I mean, what was the second viewing versus the first viewing like? Uh, you know, I think that first viewing for me was a little bit better just knowing like that mystery of what is going on. Cause at first they're thinking, Oh, it's some sort of earthquake or whatever. Um, here knowing that like they opened up something and Cthulhu came out. Uh, you know, not having that mystery definitely plays into it. But the second time I really kind of honed in on just the characters themselves. Like I think uh, Jessica Henwick is like amazing in here. And it's just like almost a nothing part. Like she's this intern who kind of is in love with another person and she kind of doesn't really do a whole lot, but I still think like that character is, has worth in the film. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't think it's as good as the first time because I do like having that mystery element, but it's still really solid. Like when this was done, I was like, if we got together and, and we're sitting around and we were like, hey, let's watch Underwater. I'd jump right on that opportunity to watch it again. Um, that's how good it is. It's really, really good. Okay. Well, I'm like gonna... if we were like, if we know how we we've mentioned Love and Monsters, like I put this not up there that high, but I put it up there pretty high. Okay. Well, as somebody who saw it for the first time, Sammy, 
uh, what was your reaction to it? So this, I mean, it seems like Brad and Jose have seen it, you know, before, but you're coming into this fresh. How did it go for you? Uh, yeah. So I, I, I don't know why this one, I don't know why I skipped this one. I mean, I know why I skipped it in the theater. But I don't know why I skipped around it. It hit HBO Max or something, or maybe even Hulu really quick due to COVID and stuff. Stuff starts, that's when the, you know, in the spring, it started, everything started hitting the streaming services really fast that year. Um, I don't think we mentioned that, you know, Disney bought Fox right around this time too. So that kind of hurt the release of this film a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't know why I kind of dodged it. I mean, it's, it's tailor made for me. Um, but you know, I, people ask me all the time, you know, Hey, have you seen that movie? And I'm like, no. And they're like, why, how come you not seen that? I'm like, well, you know, I'm watching Henry Silva movies from the seventies, you know? So, <laughs> I mean, you know, you got to pick your time, you know, you got to do what you got to do, Yeah. but I, I don't, I, you know, I, I just, it just got by me. So when you guys were going to watch this, I was like, well, I'm going to check it out finally because Jose is going to be on the show and everything. And then, you know, behind the scenes, we're texting and everything else. I'm like, Hey, sure. Why not? I'll be on there too. Um, Man, I'm glad I watched this. Uh, this is the kind of movie. This these are the kind of movies I really like. William Eubank. I think he's got a bright future. Um, I can't. I, I am. I am a little perplexed that this. Maybe not. I guess in this day and age, this cost eighty million. I guess nowadays that's a low budget movie. Jeez. But um, because it doesn't feel like it cost eighty million to me, except for the effects, maybe toward the back end. But I'm with Brad. I don't like close spaces, and it really makes it double a double whammy for me because I really don't like being underwater. I don't like the sensation of being underwater. I don't like the pressure on the ears. I don't like water in my eyes, even though my eyes are full of water. I don't, uh, you know, I'm just one of those weird people that uh, just doesn't. What about the infinite scale? Of water? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it doesn't bother me as much as the less infinite scale of space. But I, I will say that. Uh, <laughs> guys are assholes <laughs> uh i will say i mean this this movie is made for uh, you know and brad I, he, I i always say this because brad's a little younger than us by about a decade but um he is of that film fandom that appreciates the stuff we talk about so he can kind of get into this but we were all so in love with alien at some point right and there's oh, been yeah. so many derivatives of alien at this point, but for whatever reason, that formula always works. If you get a talented filmmaker and you get a pretty good idea. Um, I don't know why it always works. I think it's the up against things you can't understand or something. I really didn't expect this film to go where it went. Does, uh, do you yeah, think it, I watched, do you think it taps into right. that slasher genre as well? On top of the science fiction element that a makes little it bit to work. Okay. The, the main vibe I got from this though, was Neil Marshall's descent film. Yes, that's exactly I a lot what I was thinking. Yeah. Which for me, pound for pound, is one of the most terrifying films ever made. Yes. Agreed. I have a hard time watching that movie. Like it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> and this one, there are moments in this one. That scene where they're on the platform and they're looking out, and Vincent Cassell does the thing with the infrared thing or whatever. It's never really quite explained. It doesn't need to be. That's the other thing I need to say about this film. They don't waste time explaining science and technology to you and everything else. Oh. You just have to buy it or you don't have to buy it. Thank God. Miss, yeah. Yeah. I miss when movies didn't have to explain everything that was going on. <laughs> Thank God for that. And you it, know, you just buy it. You just, you just go with it. You don't think about the logic of it. You just go with it. Can, can we just, I mean, I want to stop there for a second. 
that is the thing that irritates me the most about modern filmmaking is the exposition. And I love Brad's comment about how lean this is, but you're 100% right. There's so much technology and there's so many things um, in terms of like their oxygen, oxygen canisters and everything. I don't yeah. know how that works. Like I have an English degree that, okay, I'm, I'm going, I'm along for the ride, mm-hmm. but they show you things and don't tell you what's going on, but just by them showing the reaction and everything else. And then they move on. You've, you've got to pay attention and, and sort of keep up to what is at stake with the environment? What's broke? What doesn't work? But I, I, I think you're hundred percent right. They don't tell you anything. They don't explain everything. You're just, you're just there in the moment, which feels like there's a little bit of authenticity to the situation. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, the film takes very, a very primal approach too. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, the natural desire to survive and natural intuition to do that, to move to the next new, it's a, it's a really natural way to drive a story forward, like a chase film, like, uh, you know, like an action film. You just got to keep moving forward because you're trying to survive. I really did not expect the film to go where it went. Uh, again, I watch trailers and stuff, but they never really spoil things for me because I'm kind of in love with the filmmaking itself. So story beats really don't bother me. It's filmmaking that really is my thing. So um, I'm never really kind of overwhelmed by that. Actually, to go back to let me let me say this, because I say this sometimes on our show, you know, I like Christopher Nolan. I think he's a very, very talented person. He's got more talent probably in his little finger that he ties his ties with than I do in my whole body. But one thing that irks me about his movies is his, his need to explain every single thing in every one of his movies to me. Like I am a child. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That drives me crazy. There's moments in interstellar where I wanted to choke the characters to death before they got to the planets. <laughs> I was yes. like, you just shut up. <laughs> it, there are moments in interstellar that feel like you're sitting in a PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, you really are at work. Like yep. you're sitting in English class and trying to learn the definition of infinite. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we, of we get to- <laughs> <laughs> no, <Bandy>. you know- <laughs> Uh, Sammy, just just to address the Nolan thing, I think he, in a way, learned that because in Tenet, there is an exposition scene, and then the character literally says, "But don't worry about all that. You don't need to know that, or or none of that matters, or whatever." Yeah. Here you go, and then and then it was all just about the visuals. So, <laughs> yeah, I have major concerns that Oppenheimer will be three hours of exposition and some nude scenes. I'm okay for one, not so okay for the other, but we'll see. Anyway, um. <laughs> I just want to say, yeah, I didn't expect this film to go where it went. This is, it's really weird to say this, but I mean, this is a B movie, an $80 million B movie, which blows my mind, but this is a B movie. And like Brad, he's, he's seen it twice. I agree. This is the kind of movie where it's like, oh, you haven't seen, you know, you're around a bunch of people and they say, you know, I haven't seen underwater. I'm like, well, we got to put that on like right now. Like we got to sit down and watch underwater after you watch 11 monsters. But yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not, when I say that, that doesn't mean it's amazing, but I think it is really, really well done. And I think William Eubank is a director. He's a young guy. He's a guy that really needs to be watched. I think he's going to have a really great career. It's weird to me that his movies all have like six and like 5.9 on the IMDb aggregate because his movies are challenging and visually interesting. And I'm kind of surprised that people aren't really 
like the reason why we covered the signal is because I didn't believe anybody saw it. I thought people just didn't see it. And I was like, this has got some really crazy ideas in it. Why did, why didn't, why aren't people talking about this? And, uh, I wanted to kind of push it that way. This is the same thing. I, I mean, I really had a good time with this and, uh, man, I, I can't, I can't say, I really can say very little negative about it. I, Honestly, I can't think of anything negative about it because it's so tight. Yeah. Uh, like Christian Stewart's underwear. And it just, <laughs> it works in every way. And uh, yeah, I mean, whew, it, it was sexy. It was scary. It was entertaining. It was exciting. It didn't, exp- it didn't hit me over the head with anything. It didn't have some kind of big idea. And, you know, it gave me a monster. I mean, it's pretty much everything you want in a B movie. Okay. And it was wet. Oh, yeah. There we go, Jose. So, so was I. <laughs> well, Jose, let's kick it over to you. What what did you think about your your viewing of this one? So you know what's funny? I after watching it again for the podcast and then reading some things and and hearing all the stuff about like Cthulhu, I have to tell you when I first saw the film, I didn't I didn't get any Cthulhu. And I think at first, I really hated the marketing of wait, this. Wait, I know, wait, I know. Wait, I know. Wait, wait, I, wait, because on. they're underwater and there's no, tentacles. No, no, and no, I mean, no, no, no. That's no, no, not no, what we're no. raising our hand about. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we we go. Go. what is the monster's name again? Cthulhu, Cthulhu. <laughs> okay. Is it Cthulhu? Cthulhu. I thought it was Cthulhu. Cthulhu. Do we know that for sure? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can we milk? Can we milk this infinitely? Seventy-five <laughs> percent of the people. On <laughs> but I was. I thought it was like HP Lovecraft old, is just rolling around in his grave right now. Ye old English Cthulhu. I don't know. <laughs> ye anyway. old English. Oh my god. Ye old, yes. ye old English. Like the, like thou Cthulhu. Okay. Okay. Keep whatever. Sorry, yeah. Sorry. Go sorry. look. Uh, you know what? Cthulhu is one of them words where I don't know if you're wrong or you're right. You can kind of go with whatever you want to. It's, yeah. What? It, it, this is the podcast where look, if you try, you get an A plus. So there you go. There you go. I tried. Yeah. Um, the participation trophy of podcast. That's yeah. not a bomb podcast. So I. <laughs> I uh, I I missed all the Cthulhu references, and I think it's because also I did not like. Uh, yeah, that's right. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say it. You guys, I'm not going to say it. I love it. I love it. I love that you're so. I love that you're so stuck on it. Yeah, I'm committed to that. Uh, Personally, I love it. Hey Google, how do you pronounce Cthulhu? Okay, let me let me stop. Are you really? Google? Let me stop. Anyway, oh my god. Um. Ooh, top results. Okay. Anyway, I did not get that reference. I also did not like the marketing because the marketing made it seem like alien. And yes, it does look a lot like a, a lot like alien underwater. Um, but just, you know, you guys hit on it. It, it It's like a sci-fi Irwin Allen disaster movie where every like four minutes, there is some sort of emergency or catastrophe that like escalates the entire you know, scare factor and the we got to get the heck out of here factor. Um, I I love Kristen Stewart in this. Uh, as somebody obsessed with, like, the underwater movies, I definitely, like, absolutely love this. Um, you know, Sammy made a reference to, to this film sort of, like, aping um, another film. 
to me, it felt a lot like pitch black, more like pitch black, actually. Um, and specifically because yeah. just that, that, that cave scene in pitch black, which I, I have, I have issues with pitch black. I really do. Oh, I love pitch black. There are moments where it's amazing. Unfortunately, I think there's a lot of moments where it's not, but that cave sequence, that first sequence where you see the creatures mm-hmm. yeah, or you don't see the creatures, that shit, that was, that was solid. And they, they played around a lot with that, with not being able to see in the infinite darkness of the ocean. Um, uh, and, and I have to tell you why uh, I actually watched it twice. So now I've seen it three times. You watched it twice um, this week? Yeah, I watched oh, it twice okay. this week. Yeah. Um, but I'd also seen it before. On I don't know why well, I'm shocked I'm just... about that. You watched Justin DeKelly like four times when we were going to record that week. I, I did not mean to bring that up. Keep that talking movie. about Underwater. We're not talking about that movie. <laughs> yes. But uh, uh, so the reason, the reason why I was... <laughs> was that Cthulhu? <laughs> that was Cthulhu. You said it right. Good job. Cthulhu. Okay. Um, so like, like Pitch Black... This film and the writers set it up almost exactly the way that the, uh, I forget her name. She's Australian. She's very sexy. Uh, she was the main character in Pitch Black. So just like in that film, in the beginning of this film. Christmas Melissa George. Tree, no, it's not Melissa George. Oh, it's, uh, oh, it's the. Uh, Rada oh. Mitchell. Rada Mitchell. Rada Mitchell. Who yeah, looks he, like Melissa George. <laughs> yes, who looks like Melissa George. So. In the beginning of this film, it sets everything up, right? About where, who Kristen Stewart's character is. And she does a physical act that later in the movie, she commits a sort of like self-sacrifice act. And you can see it coming. Just like in Pitch Black, where the, uh, Rada Mitchell, she ends up to save herself, jettisoning the people on the, the craft that she's in. And at the end of the film... You know, they would have pussied out if she didn't die. And she actually gets killed because she realizes I'm going to die to save these people because I let those I let 150 people go. There is surprisingly a redemptive arc in this film that I didn't expect. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, two things. One, I want to mention that it's actually pussied, not pussied. And two. (laughs) Is uh, it? No, it's not. (laughs) Cthulhu. I cry Cthulhu. And two, and two, at this point, I'm just having fun making Troy laugh at this point. Two, two, they, the genius of this film is they set up Christian Stewart's character. This filmmaking 101, if you want to set up a character in less than five minutes, check this they movie. They did out. it. Yeah. They absolutely did it in the beginning. It was, yeah. it's amazing. You learned it's- everything about this character in like five minutes with a little moment with the spider. A little bit of narration and an act. He just gave it away. But yes, yes. yes. Her um and then we what we come to realize is she's I believe not it's talk- a daddy long legs, which technically is not a spider because it only has six. Stop legs. with your science. Oh. Okay. Stop it. No, not Brad's here. injecting science. It's a spider. Science. It's a total oh. spider. Just wait until I talk about Kepler in a little bit. You damn pussy pussy <laughs> cock <pussied> out. <laughs> you and it's pronounced Dady. It's pronounced Dady long leg, just so you know. Um <laughs> Daddy long leg. It's a daddy long leg. <laughs> um, need to move to but, Kentucky. Uh, speaking so, but speaking of efficient, thank God this is this is not a two hour and what, fifteen a fish minute net? movie. God bless. No, 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 no. Oh, efficient. Okay, efficient. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. 
everything about this film is efficient. And I think if there is a flaw, though, it's that some of the characters come off as like archetypal or like arch, right? So we've got the 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 intern or research assist- assistant, as she calls herself. She's the freaker outer. She's the one who screams all the time. And then there's the love interest guy who's sort of the uh, average Joe guy who's kind of like, oh, let's just go on to get along. And then we have a scientist. So if I think if there's a flaw, it's it's that with th- an hour and 35 minutes, you can't have this full development, but they do very well at bringing out the people's personality in very short bits. Obviously, yeah. TJ Miller, you get him. Um, but so uh, yeah, it works because you've seen the black a- guy dies first. We get it. Yeah. Yeah. Of, yeah. Of <laughs> yeah. It yes, works. There because, is that, unfortunately. Yeah, it, it works because you've seen other movies like this, right? Yeah, and I, really I, don't I, that's o- that's okay. Like I don't that's, I don't know if that's a well, downfall it's, it's a, for this. It's not. It's a B movie thing, and yeah. that's okay. That's well, I mean, B that's yeah, are. yeah. I, I I was just saying, if there was one flaw, it's that because I can see somebody watching this and be like, oh, of course she's going to scream. Of course they're going to yeah. be in love. Of course they're going to make it. You that's know? what the so. crit- that's what the I, some of the critic stuff I've read of the film. That is what I've read is that it's very uh, run of the mill. Like it doesn't like there's no real surprises story wise, but the creature design is amazing. That's usually the that's yeah. the overall sense I get from can we, the. Can we digress for a second on that criticism? Because I see I see that with a lot of action films and horror films specifically, because there are two genres that have um, a template. So if you take action films, there's a lot of times the hero's journey that's replicated over and over and over again. And when Cthulhu, I, <laughs> Cthulhu that's right. Um I, I don't I don't understand that criticism if they do it well if they do it really well it, it's almost like a, a recipe right if you go cook yeah. something and you're doing it out of a book and somebody goes man that dinner was amazing and you're like well I, yeah. I followed the Betty Crocker I mean it told me exactly what to do what's yeah. wrong yeah. with that what what is wrong with that no, nothing is wrong with that that is that is what is missing in so many films nowadays is what in my opinion what is missing in movie making right now is the is the low budget or the mid-tier film i i, I where people take the big box office success and they you give all get all these derivatives of it mm-hmm. i just don't think that's there right now i mean well other one, than bloom well, House, we, i guess well yeah but i mean one of the things we always talk about with italian cinema on our show the ripoffs are great because the ripoffs give people a chance to work and you need those ripoffs. You got to have those ripoffs to get talent going and get things going. I've really missed the ripoff. <laughs> this yeah. movie is a ripoff. Well, and it um, is. and not the not the sci-fi channel ripoffs. We're talking about the no, ones. No, that, no, no. Yeah, a solid ripoff. A solid a prestige ripoff. Yeah, ripoff has well, a lot of negative connotation, but honestly, I I hate that because I think that's what makes movies so interesting. Is you have the prestige movie. And then you get the ripoffs that all come down and they, they kind of cycle down to Z grade. Like they go from B to C to Z and that, that world just doesn't exist anymore right now. It's kind of, it's kind of sad really. Yeah. Actually it's, it's uh, in a way, I think the screenwriters know that they have a very limited amount of time to get all of this off the ground and the dialogue. And there are specific references through the T.J. Miller character to Alice in Wonderland because it's kind of like 
it's kind of like Alice in Wonderland, right? Like you see all these weird things and things happen. They're not always explained, but it's a journey that you go on and it's all these wonderful visuals and things that people are going through. So I, I don't know. I dug it. There should be more films like this actually. And uh, I, I thought it was pretty fantastic that, you know, like the captain, Kristen Stewart's character uh, was self-sacrificing enough to realize like, she had a love of her life, you know, um, she wanted to save the two people. She wanted to make sure these things didn't get to the surface. And then she, you know, did the, took the ultimate sacrifice. I mean, that's pretty admirable and awesome. And that last image of her, you know, sort of having this like weight lifted off of her and the water's going, you know, yeah. upwards it's, towards the sky in reverse. I was like, wow, that's person. fantastic. It's a yeah. great final image. I, I was surprised. Um, there's that little exchange with um, the captain's character, Vincent uh, Cassell. Did I say that right? <laughs> yes. Um, when they ask about his daughter and he says, oh, oh yeah. she's 14. And Kristen Stewart's like, well, no, she couldn't be 14. Later on, you find out, you find that little card in his pocket. And I think she died, right, at age 14. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's another good example of how you can make an impact with such a little statement. You come yeah. back around and visit it, and in your head, you're like, oh, the captain, you know, he's been brokenhearted for yeah. years. He lost his daughter at 14, and she didn't know that because he just, he can't, he can't process it by talking about it. So he just kind of keeps it inside and stuff, and, you know, she's kind of confused as to why he would say 14, but as the audience, we kind of like, we understand. And that, that uh, I I mean, that's a little moment, but I think it, it hits you like a ton of bricks. I agree. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna. You, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say something real quick, um, yeah. because I, the we're we're talking about this moment, and I I need to blow your all's mind real quick. Uh -oh. So do you all know? So the space station or the space station, the drill thing is called Kepler. Mm -hmm. Kepler mm -hmm. was an astronomer. He was a mathematician back in like uh, 15, Brad. 70. Brad. I don't know. I don't like where you're going. On okay. This. So he helped yeah. actually. He helped influence Isaac Newton's second law of motion, which basically says the second law is the change of motion of an object is proportional to the force impressed on it and is made in the direction. Like it's basically it is a straight line. So Jose, you were talking about, think about while all the stuff in the, in the film is happening, everything is going down, right? So right. all the direction stuff is going down at the very end. We see they're escaping going up and then all of a sudden the water starts going up so that like the force essentially even changes in the in the movie where the water is going up in the direction as opposed to going down so i thought that was i don't know if that's got intentional it. but it i think it's got to be it has i yeah. i think you're right about it i think it, it's a it's a visual double entendre yeah um uh, yeah. yeah yeah i think i think eubank is that kind of filmmaker i mean judging from the signal i haven't seen love but i have seen the signal and i think he's he's always kind of trying to push those ideas out there a little bit brad i swear to god if you ever drop any kind of like science knowledge like that again it's over this is over okay no, i'm just okay. kidding I'm no, sorry, forgive me. that's actually Hang really interesting and you know what's terrible i heard kepler and i thought gabe gabe kepler or is it kepler it's gabe Whatever. that's kepler i don't know he's a baseball performer what do i know <laughs> baseball performer. <laughs> baseball per Wow. A baseball performer. Yes. Uh, no, he, that's really good. He, now, he, he touches the balls. <laughs> that, now wood. that you said that, Brad, I'm, I'm wondering, like, how I want to go back and watch it. It has audio commentary to it. 
uh, on yeah. the Blu-ray disc. So I'm, I'm but just I think just, about all the momentum changes in this film. When yeah. people implode, everyone goes the opposite direction because it shoots them the other way. There's a lot of that's pretty sort cool. of momentum of this film, literally and figuratively. Yeah, and you're right. Cassell Cassell says that was just the third and fourth floor that collapsed on us. We need to move because mm-hmm. it's all moving downward. Yeah, that's so cool. Um, yeah, my thoughts. I I agree with everything all three of you said. My experience with this is I'm watching it um, in the afternoon. No, I couldn't get anybody in the house to watch it with me. I'm like, hey, I'm going to watch this film. Da da da. Nobody, nobody yeah, uh, took it. That kind of blows my mind, but at the same time, you know, I know how it is. I mean, sometimes I can't get my kids to watch anything with me either. Yeah, and I mean, everybody's like Kristen Stewart, and I'm like, yeah, but it's an underwater like monster movie, and it was no, 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 and I'm like, okay. So I sit down and watch it in the afternoon, um, and and all of you have been over to my house, so I've got the I got the home theater thing going. I was I was a little disappointed it wasn't in Atmos, but fine, seven one. Um, <laughs> If I, I have to. Yeah, if I have to. God, slumming it. Um, I <laughs> can't remember the last time I have screamed out loud in a film. Like there's a, some really good jump scares in this. Yeah, there's there's one that it literally. Might have been, it might have been BC Butcher when they stabbed the stuffed animal. Oh yeah, that that might have been one. But yeah, uh, was, so what was the big? What was your big jumping moment? And it's the stupidest moment, but this is how good that film is. So the they're going down in the beginning, and they think that there's a survivor because their their little indicators going off, and they see that body kind of floating, and you can oh, yeah. barely make it out of what's going on with his back, but it looks like his back's moving, but it's been chewed up and everything. It's really mm-hmm. kind of gruesome. And the next yeah. thing you know, this this thing jumps out of the guy's back. And I, a, an audible scream and I jumped up and I spilled like water on me and, uh, I'm like, pause, I go upstairs <laughs> and, and I get this whole, like, well, what happened to you? I was like, don't ask me. I, I'm, I'm watching a movie, <laughs> get cleaned up, go downstairs to finish it. And then it did it to me again later on, but it wasn't the jump scare that got me so much as. Everything that is happening to these characters in terms of the disaster film genre and the pressure that they're under and, uh, you know, you have to get from point A to point B in a certain amount of time or X happens, right? I'm so invested in this uh, event that when these horror elements and these jump scares happen, I'm so caught off guard. And even TJ Miller, who I'm not a huge fan of, his little quips and humor do distract me a little bit from the tension, but then it builds right back up. And I think that's where the brilliance of this film is, is when you, it it is a B film. I agree with you hundred percent, Sammy, but you get elevated with these little exchanges of dialogue where you're like, wow, that's some character I, I didn't expect to see in a film like this. Um, or that's something I, I really wasn't. Um, expecting from a scene and then all of a sudden when the traditional jump scare happens it affects me and I'm because I'm caught off guard with the pacing or even my expectations of a B film when the B film elements hit like the jump scare it really gets to me and uh, yeah I, I this thing made me um, uh, scream like a little pansy so or pansy <laughs> pansy yeah. 
no, Penze, I, I that, correct. I, yeah, Penze. Yeah. The uh, I, I agree with you. I you know, so many times the T.J. Miller character in these films can be a little bit. They can rub you the wrong way, but like they use him just the right amount mm-hmm. in this. Mm-hmm. It, it's essentially the it, it's the Bill Paxton character from Aliens. That's the first vibe I got. It was the Bill Paxton character from Aliens. Yeah, he's 100%. not a great like yeah. that, but yeah, you know, he's there. He's there to kind of just give you moments. At first, I thought the little Paul stuff was going to really bother me. Like I thought it was a little too cute, but actually, the little Paul stuff kind of comes through and and really has a nice kind of through through line. Yeah, and really well, it, that was the stuff that kind of threw me off because I was expecting the I like the Bill Paxton analogy. I was expecting that to run through, but then when he has these little moments of taking care of that stuffed animal, um, and then these just minor exchanges like the fourteen year old daughter, etc., it it keeps you off guard. And for, just when you're guessing, well, maybe this isn't a B film. Then when the B film elements happen. You're, you're brought right back into it. But I love the fact that within the first few minutes, you, you know everything about your main character. And this thing starts strong and it never lets up. It is, you know, you, you see those quotes about films about a movie being a thrill ride or, you know, um, roller, coaster it, ride. roller coaster ride, heart pounding, all that. This is the pure definition of it. But through that is sprinkled some elements that take you off guard and surprise you, which pretty much makes it, I think, the perfect B film, in my opinion. Yeah, so one, agreed, yeah. one other point I wanted to also bring out was, you know, in the beginning with the spider that tells us everything about Kristen Stewart's character. But she also learns from the black character as well, because um, even though he's not on screen much, my second and th- and third viewing, what I saw was he later, first of all, he's impressed that she says to him, she goes, Rodrigo, right? Because the crew is like 136 people. Mm -hmm. And he has this surprised look like, holy shit, she remembers my name. And like, I don't even know who she is. And then later he says something along the lines of, um, I, I wouldn't have even known to close the door. You were really brave to do what you did. And then when they're looking at the helmets, he sees the one with the crack and he gives her the non-cracked one knowing full well he's going to die. But he did that because he was like, here's somebody who saw me and knew what to do when I froze. And I'm paying that off by killing myself, basically. And it's like he's not even in it that much. And the first time you see it, you don't get that, I guess or I never picked it up. And then I watched it a second time. I was like, Jesus, Mamadou um, Ati, I think is the actor's name. I mean, just in those minutes, he brought so much character to it. So it's, I think his name is actually, I think his name is actually Cthulhu Infinante. (laughs) (laughs) I think think that's the uh, literal pronunciation. I do remember the first time I saw this, she's talking about like how you don't know if you're dreaming or not. And I was like, at some point in time during this first sequence, She's going to wake up and then the stuff's going to happen. And I'm like, please don't do that. Please don't do that. And then yeah. they don't. And I was no, really pleased oh. that they don't go to that yeah. cliche. Yeah. I, I, I they, they completely double down on the genre elements. They just completely double down on them. They do. Yeah, they do. I, I, I'm with you, Sammy, in that I read some reviews on this. Um, here, here's the thing. And I'm our, our good friend, Mike from the aisle seat is uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to use his name as well as Roger Ebert in the same sentence. 
I really like those two film critics. And the reason being is when they come across genre film, um, Roger Ebert knew a lot of times what he was watching and he took it at face value and would grade it for how good of a genre film it was. So, I, I mean, you're never going to agree 100% with any of the film critics uh, because you just have your own opinion, right? But it always irritates me when film critics will look at something and pigeonhole a movie and go, well, it's just this, and not pay attention to these small elements that are happening throughout it. And I think Roger Ebert always did a good job of that. Um, and I think Mike does that over the Alcy, which is why he's one of my favorite current ones to read. But I, I think there is a problem with film criticism, and you said it, Sammy, in terms of um, when we were talking about it, I think when we did Green Lantern about there not being a lot of personality. But I also think that there's a problem when you come across a film like Underwater and you don't go, it is a disaster creature feature, and how well did it execute on that genre, those tropes? How well did it tell that B-movie story? And if it, if it did it really well, then give it, you know, some props for that. Give it the accolades it deserves for what it delivers within, you know, that lane. Right. Right. I mean, you know, the thing about Green Lantern just doing that last week, I mean, that's a big budget movie and the characters have personality. I think I said this, you know, but the filmmaking doesn't have personality and that's kind of like, you know, what my issue with Martin Campbell is. I mean, I, I I appreciate his films. I think he's made some great films. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't really have a style that kind of screams Martin Campbell. But Eubank has made three films. I've seen two of the three. And he screams uh, auteur characteristics. Oh, I agree. And yeah. this film this film has a total feel to it. Both the, the two films I've seen, uh, while flawed somewhat, they both have a unique feel to them. And uh, that's why I'm so looking forward to everything he does going forward. I agree. And I... And I was thinking about 2019's Godzilla King of the Monsters, as you do. And I was thinking about <laughs> just how bloated and like how that movie kind of misses the point. Cause there's so much stuff with the humans. And you're like, I don't care about this. I want Godzilla. Why are you giving me all this other stuff? And I'm like, underwater is infinitely better than that Godzilla film from 2019. Cause it like, it knows what it's doing. And it's like, we know what you're here for. You're here for some terror, some action, some tense moments. And then at the end, you want to see what the hell is going on. Yeah. And we're not wasting time with anything else. And I think like that, that to me is like really good. Just knowing what your audience wants and delivering it to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I was, would uh, go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say, I, I just want to spend a minute to talk about the monsters. There's three, like there's three versions of them. There's the smaller yeah. one that made me scream and spill stuff. Um, there's the, <laughs> yeah. what we'll call the teenager version. And the then, Slender Man. Yeah. Then there's the Cthulhu. Sorry. Cthulhu. Is that how you say it? Jose? Cthulhu? I said Cthulhu. Yeah. yeah. Cthulhu. Cthulhu. Okay. <laughs> the, the creature design in all of them, I think, are fantastic. They look unique enough. But what I was really impressed with is the situations that they put the monsters in especially in these things where like one of them is trying to swallow Kristen Stewart's character whole. And yeah. I'm like, Oh yeah, my God, awesome. That, awesome. that was incredibly claustrophobic. And then even yeah, how was, she got out of that, I thought was pretty cool. impressive, but oh, that um, was a great, that was a great scene. That was, that was an awesome moment. Yeah. I, I love not just the look of these monsters, but the, and I hope this makes sense, 
the functionality of the monsters I thought well, was fantastic. Let me say this too. This is, you know, I'm not a filmmaker, but this is brilliant filmmaking. Okay. Mm-hmm. They show you the case. They show you two flares. One flare she hits the monster with. You already know the next flare she's going to use to see the big bad. Oh, yeah. That that is brilliant filmmaking. That's true. They foreshadow it without hitting you over the head. Well, and that's why I think you got a I think he's got a great career ahead of him. I they mean, don't that ju- is brilliant. They don't just show you the big bad. They show you and again this goes back to that functionality sort of what the hierarchy is of these monsters that those mm-hmm. smaller ones um, or the teenager ones are all attached to the big one um, in yeah, some like fashion. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible. Yep. Like I, uh, I, I love the fact they don't spend too much time on it because it does allow you to go back and rewatch it and catch more things with it. They don't just like, here's the camera and you get to see everything about it. There's some mystery still. But um, yeah, I, th- I thought the look of it and the functionality of the creatures was was just pitch perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, really. I mean, I was you know first time watch for me. You know, I've since bought it. It's 4K on uh, iTunes and it's got a commentary and everything. So yeah, I mean, this is this is one of those ones where if people are over and you know, or if I'm hanging out with people, I'm going to be like, "Have you seen Underwater? You know, we need to check out Underwater. It's one of those kind of movies." Yeah, it, I mean, it also looks amazing. Like it looks amazing. It does. It, it might be Blu-ray a little too dark really in good. spots, but I think that helps. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I can see the criticism. People's like, that's nah, there's kind of it gets too dark. It's but a, yeah, it, I, I, this is a nitpick, but uh, it was a little too dark at the end for me. Once uh, Cockatoo shows up, it's a little <laughs> too. It's a little too weird. Once Cockatoo shows up, it's a little too dark. <laughs> was it? I, it looked but, good on mine. Says, I mean, I just saw the well, I mean, Blu-ray. It looked, it looked awesome. A lot of times, if you, well, a lot of times, if you're in the dark, you don't want your Cockatoo showing too much. Yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. That's Actually, you know what? Trouble. Now that now that you guys have jogged my memory about when this was released, I saw this with Scooter and Randy. Actually, speaking of Randy, and yeah. I be- I believe one of the reasons why we went was we were like this might be our only chance before we get shut down basically oh, yeah and so we were like yeah. let's go it was like you know, seven o'clock on a Thursday and we went and then it got like shut down <laughs> we did the same uh, I did the same thing my story's not nearly as cool because it was Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> <laughs> wow okay <laughs> and then I remember we were shut down and I remember thinking if I never get to go back to the movies again. My last, last film one was, was Sonic the Hedgehog. Damn. <laughs> wow. That's pretty crazy. Uh, <laughs> any other final thoughts on underwater? No. Okay. I'm going to start. No, it needs, oh. it needs a, it probably needs a 4k physical release. We'll oh. say that, you know, 4k Toby Atmos release. I, the yeah. sound, the sound even on the seven one was fantastic, but I really yeah. want to see uh, or hear Atmos on it. Yeah, I know, but that's 7.1. That's Marjorie Green at level stuff. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Uh, I'm Jose, I'm going to start with you. We're going to ask the, the final question. Is underwater a bomb? It is not a bomb. And if, say, the Mahoning or the Colonial or the people that put on marathons are listening, please do Underwater and Charlie's Angels, and I will come and watch. Oh, this double okay. feature. Are right. you? Are you a watch and come? 
<laughs> One or the other. It would be both. There you go. It's it's a hard what? Wait, um, yeah. Sammy. Not a bomb. Not, Everybody watching. Not a bomb. Okay, I'm gonna ask you, Sammy. Where where where, where do you lie on this? Um, this is a hard, not a bomb. Uh, I love this. Uh, I I love this. I really did. I liked it a lot. Um, again, some of the things I didn't talk about really was the sexiness of it. I think the film does a really good job of being kind of sexy in a weird way. It's not hitting you over the head with it or anything, but I really liked the kind of empowering thought of these females, you know, just being in a, it's a co-ed environment. Nobody's judging anything. Everybody's just there for survival. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it just, I don't know. It really works. I, I was pleasantly surprised more than pleasantly surprised. I mean, I'm glad I watched this. So awesome. it's definitely not a bomb. Okay. Can I, can I also make a one weird comment? Oh, like um, you haven't before. Go ahead. Just, just, just one. <laughs> just one. So, Go ahead. So as you, as you know, you guys, I'm obsessed with John Gallagher, right? So if you guys, we heard, if you guys I read watch, on the internet, if, <laughs> if you guys watch this again, there, uh, right after Henwick, uh, looks at that weird picture that shows like, uh, things coming out of the sea and attacking gods or whatever. Um, she is sitting down and she has her pants off. And Gallagher walks down the two little steps and he's got his pants off and bends down and says, you ready to go? And they say, yes. And then in the next scene, Gallagher is taking his shoes off and taking his pants down. So there, there's a editing mistake. Oh, oh. continuity. Mm. Yes. Mm. Yeah, I thought you were going somewhere. You started no, no, that no, story. No, no. I thought but you were going somewhere fuck? else, man. But okay. Continuity. Or, no. got it. I mean, they're going to say, yeah, they, for me, the, you know, the, those suits evidently weighed 140 pounds for these actors. And yeah. uh, the the hottest line in this whole movie is when Christian Sherrod says to Henwick character, you're going to have to lose the pants. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm way ahead of you there, John Gallagher. <laughs> I, well, actually Christian Stewart, but John Gallagher too. Yes. All right. Well, Brad, where were you uh, landing on this one? Yeah, I'm with them. Definitely not a bomb. This is, this is one of, my favorite films that we've done. And this is one of the, like, this was kind of our thesis for this podcast was going back and kind of reintroducing films like this that deserve a second chance. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that's perfectly said when, when we were doing the podcast I mean, we run across movies where we like it and we want to champion it. But even sometimes I look at that and go, eh, maybe, maybe that's a stretch. I really enjoy it, but how do I sell it to somebody from a quality perspective? This is definitely one of those where I don't think enough people saw it. And uh, I think as you champion it, people would have that same reaction and go, wow, this is really good. Um, I, it's proof that our friend Charlie really knows 50% of the time what a good movie is. Um, don't, don't ask me about uh, Dead Reckoning. Uh. Yeah, I know. So that's why I said 50% of the time. So 50% of the like time, Dead Charlie Reckoning. is really oh, I was right about next stuff. To him while watching Dead Reckoning, and it was. Uh... It will never match us uh, going to the movies and seeing that thing prequel and watching him just have a nervous yeah. breakdown in public. Uh, oh, Charlie. One of my favorite movie going experiences ever. Uh, I loved every second of it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to start with you, Sammy. What's going on at the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema? Now, this comes out like late July. So just remember, just remember. Uh, maybe by the time you've heard this, you've heard us talk about AI and uh, okay stuff like that. So, yeah. That was a that was just kind of a random rewatch. Um, I'll just say 
by the time you hear the show, you'll you'll hear this, but it was an emotional rewatch. That movie's harsh. Really? Um, okay. But interesting. Interesting. And, uh, you know, it's weird talking about it in future tense because I haven't recorded the episode yet. <laughs> <laughs> thank goodness I but, own it uh, already so I don't have to buy it. But yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm watching uh, it tomorrow. Yeah. Rewatching um, it. But uh, yeah, and then uh, of course I, I said this last week too. We're <laughs> we're doing the Bunuel as well, Los Los Alavitos, which is the Young Ooh. and the Damned, yes, which also is a very impactful film, and I recommend people check it out. Awesome, uh, Jose Bunuel. Oh, Bunuel. Bunuel. Yeah, this is coming from the guy couldn't take Cthulhu. Anyways, um, just kidding. Just kidding. I love you. I love you. I, remember, I'm 25 percent gay. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, a few weeks ago, 10%. you had an amazing episode. 50%, 50% uh, infinite. 50% infinite, 25% gay. Uh, <laughs> a few weeks ago, you had an amazing show talking about uh, Tom Cruise. Um, what's what's on That's the roadmap right. when when this comes out, whenever this comes well, out? Well, actually, uh, I, I as we are recording this, uh, we had on cruiseologist Troy Sauer. <laughs> Troy, I, I hear that on, guy's um, really good, nice. except at pronouncing names, but go ahead. <laughs> on watch skip plus uh, a mission impossible dead reckoning we reviewed that uh we are slated to do barbie with uh alex McAllister as our <gasps> guest oh god uh, yeah. my my other son my adopted son i'm so god. exactly alex is amazing. by the way um so there's there's two things i want to mention uh and then i promise i will stop talking but no, no, one yeah. Remember how Alex was guesting, I think, on Not a Bomb, and you guys ragged him about that show he was watching, Bad Sisters? Yeah. You know it won a ton of Emmys, right? So that doesn't he matter. was on to something. That doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Yeah. What the- yeah. <laughs> I, um, I saw Alex. Listen. <laughs> him and his buddy were taking their teddy bears out on the trampoline and doing WrestleMania moves and practicing all that stuff. So I have full right to make fun of Alex. <laughs> Anytime I want, I, I yeah. watched him grow into adulthood. That is my second son. I, I am so proud. Please of don't him. ever say that sentence again. That was makes me feel awkward. Second son, the teddy bears in oh, wrestling no, or you, you watched him turn into a grow up. I don't know. Sorry. Just what? Wow. Way to make it creepy, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thing I was going to say is it says here, uh, Lovecraft formally transcribed the pronunciation, oh, pronunci- oh, the pronunciation Jesus. as Clulu, and describe the pronunciations having the first syllable pronounced gutturally and very thickly. The <laughs> ooh is about like that in full, and the first syllable is not unlike clul in sound. So it's supposed to be I've only had two beers. I'm slightly buzzed, and I'm having the time of my life. Clulu. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Who knew? We'll have to get marble mouth here. Okay. Who, yeah. Who uh, knew HP Lovecraft could be funny? I, mean, I know. That's true. <laughs> um, Brad, what the hell are we doing after this? I, we've been podcasting all week. My brain yeah, is so, fried. And so. here's the question: Am I on the next episode? <laughs> you are not. You are not. You guys get a little bit of a break. So we are doing. Where's the money, Lebowski? We are doing Joel and Ethan Cohen's 1998 crime comedy, The Big. Lebowski. We have a guest for that, right? We do have a guest for that. Okay. Just for the record, I love that movie. That movie's, yeah, I don't want to. I do too. I'm surprised it was a bomb. I, I, just because it's 
the memes, the dude, all of that. I mean, Jeff, you it's, know, it's, I, you know, yeah, I love it, Jeff Bridges, right? It's so. become a, it's become a cult thing almost immediately. So in Louisville, they do a big Lebowski fest, right? Lebowski fest, home of the yeah. Lebowski fest. I've been before. Home of the Lebowski fest, yeah. Um, yeah, it's all right. Seen, it's, it's an this okay is thing. off off the beaten path. But you've seen the trailer for Ethan Cohen's directorial debut, uh, Drive Away Dolls. No, I haven't. Oh, actually, that looks. Uh, I I was held hostage when that preview came on, and it looks great. <laughs> LGBTQ kind of driven crime film. I looks really yeah. check it out. I dig it. Awesome. Uh, very Cohen, very Cohen's brother. Uh, very Cohen brothers, no doubt. Oh, hey, I love them. One Cohen. <laughs> Although I'll I'll tip my hat. Big Lebowski. The first time I saw it was like, meh, it's all right. Mm, I didn't oh, understand why everybody went okay. over. But I'm I'm really excited to revisit it. So. Uh, Brad, if yes. anybody wants to send us their thoughts on the film that we talked about this week or give us uh, some recommendations, should, should we announce October? I feel like we need a good runway for that, right? Well, we let's let's kind of start in September first, buddy. <laughs> but we are in se- no, we're not. Wait, no, we're not. We're in July. Oh, have no, you been we're in July. But when underwater? this gets released, right? Yeah, yeah so really. we'll still be in July when this comes out. It's only like two Look, weeks ahead, but I'm time traveling. I want to say just for, for the record, you guys are infinitely entertaining. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> You're making me blush. I cool you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Email go. <laughs> okay, it's uh, not about pot at gmail.com. Or go to notabombpodcast.com, hit the contact us button. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, threads, all those, all those cool things. Awesome. Not that we post on there, but we are on there. <laughs> no. no. I haven't even started threads. Jesus. I mean you guys are ahead of the curve. I just hear threads and I think of the day after the English film. Wasn't that that British yeah, yeah, UK yeah, totally. thing? <laughs> yeah, like the everything's blown up. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it. So I don't know if you're listening in the morning, the afternoon, the evening. Thank you for downloading the episode. Thanks for listening. Come back next week. We're going to talk to Big Lebowski. It's going to be a lot of fun. Check out Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. Watch Skip Plus. And uh, we'll we'll see you then. Don't lose your head. Don't lose your head.